When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. This is Women to Watch. To rise above all of the noise and fulfill every last one of your dreams. Women to Watch, sharing the real stories of the most accomplished women in the world. It is for those frightened children who want peace. It is for those voiceless children who want change. Being inspired by women from across the globe who are encouraging more women to pursue their dreams. True philanthropy comes from living from the heart of yourself and giving what you have been given. Now, Women to Watch. Here's your host, Sue Rocco. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. My name is Sue Rocco. I'm excited to be back in the studio with another great show for you tonight. My guest who's going to be joining me in just a moment is Renee Lalande. And Renee is the founder and CEO of iTalent Digital. And Renee, after working uh, for several years with companies uh, such as Apple, Cisco, and NetApp, decided to venture out on her own and start her own tech company in 2005. So stay tuned for her amazing story. And be sure to stay with us during the breaks where you'll hear from our watch team, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, attorney Carol Weinman, our in-house tech expert, Mary Manzo, and international speaker, Holly Dowling, who will be bringing you the latest news and information uh, around health, legal issues, technology, and leadership. And I'm excited to say that very soon we'll be announcing some brand new contributors to the show. So stay tuned for that as well. So now, without further ado, I'd like to welcome to the show uh, Renee Lalande, CEO and founder of iTalent Digital. Welcome to the show, Renee. Hi, Sue. Thank you for having me. It's great uh, to, to have you with us. And I understand you're calling us from California. That is correct. Is that, and where in California are you? I'm in the Silicon Valley Bay okay. area, San Francisco Bay Area. Okay, great, great. We're going to be talking a little bit about that later in the show. Um, for those of us who have never been to Silicon Valley, I think we all have um, these images of what goes on there. <laughs> so perhaps <laughs> yeah. you can set us straight. <laughs> um, but listen, I'd love to talk about your upbringing a little bit uh, before we talk about your career. And I wonder if you could start with um, describing a little bit your life growing up uh, and is it Texas? I were you? Yes. Okay, in, in Texas. Austin, Texas. Yeah. yeah. Prior prior to that pivotal moment at age thirteen. Yeah. So I mean, I grew up. I was uh, the baby of the family, 
and um, I had a really great dad in the sense that he uh, encouraged my sister and I as, as much as he did my older brother. And he was always, he always had two or three companies that he was running pretty successfully and he would put us to task and, and summer, like he'd either set us up with a fireworks stand or he would, um, you know, teach us about doing business and managing money and, um, you know, hard work. And so we were always doing something with his business in the summertime. And so I think that definitely contributed, contributed greatly to my entrepreneurial spirit, but um, I was also just very competitive naturally. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that kind of led me to push my mom to put me into a tech camp when I was 13 because some uh, boys in my honors class had, had gone the year before. And I think it was maybe the first or second year of the camp. It was a very new thing, um, kind of dating myself, but um, it was a pretty new <laughs> thing to go to computer camp and it was expensive. And so uh, when they came back from summer and said that they went, I just felt like, oh, my gosh, if I don't go, um, it's the end of the world. It's going to be the end of the world. And um, <laughs> and so then I convinced my mom to let me go the next – she had to save up. I mean, my dad had already passed away. My dad died when I was 12, um, and uh, that was pretty hard on my mom, and who was a, was a, was a home, you know, a uh, home mom that – uh, did everything for us. And so it was really hard on her. And so, um, but she figured, she figured out how to do it for me. And uh, it kind of changed the whole um, trajectory of my life because um, even though I quickly got out of coding, I coded myself, I coded to make a living through university. But when I got to Apple, I got into um, the business side and I got out of coding, but I was never intimidated by coding mm. um, because I took it at that age. And then I took uh, coding in high school and then I you know I kept it up and um, it just never it, it was never anything to me that was was uh, a barrier let's just put it that way yeah that so really helped me so um, so it was your idea to go to the camp not your mom's I, I wanted yeah, to ask you idea. it was your idea yeah, yeah. it was uh, to the point where I think my mom uh, you know wanted to um, you know, she couldn't, she could it was like a force to be record. I would, I, she couldn't stop me from going. Like I just, I kept bugging her. I was such a nag. I felt so bad for my mom. Now that I have a six year old, I'm like, oh my gosh. Uh, I, I really nagged her and to the point where I think she just felt like I'm going to have to make this happen. Yeah. So. Well, look at you, you know, really having a sense of what you wanted to pursue at age 12 and 13. You know, yes. that's such a, um, that is such a, you know, intense time for, for young girls um, and young women. And, and typically we're just completely searching at that point and, and very often following what everyone else is doing. So, yes. yeah, where you think that was innate in you, just that um, kind of confidence? I, yeah, I think it was the environment where I had um, uh, a dad that did not treat my sister and I differently from my brother, mm-hmm. um, he really pushed us and would say things, you know, both of my parents would say things like, you can be the next president of the United States. You know? yeah, yeah. Um, so they never, uh, they never differentiated. And I think that helped a lot. Um, and I think uh, it's really important to teach girls. And even if they don't have that at home, um, that they can do anything and that uh, they, they should have a voice and they should speak out and say, I want to do this. And 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 be a force that takes their life 
mm-hmm. where they want to go. Right. I was very lucky because once I did the computer camp, I, I thought I was like, I love this. And then I did it in high school and I did really good at it. And I just really naturally really like I just liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was kind of lucky to find that early on and yeah. to find and to enjoy doing um all the stuff that my dad would have us do in the summer. I enjoyed it. Mm. My brother really enjoyed it. My sister, not so much, you know, so you find out what you like, what you don't like. And I really feel like if you find something you like and you give everything you have to it, you're going to be successful on all the, on the right levels. Yes. Um, So it doesn't have to be in tech. It doesn't have to be, uh, there's, there's all different things that you could pursue. um, But it's just a matter of having the courage to go find that and then, um, really go after it. Yeah. Um, so tell me what, what was the impact of your dad passing when you were 12 years old? Um, it was, it was hard. I think, um, you know, my mom was a stay home mom. She's super supportive, um, from that perspective. But, um, I was, you know, when you're young, they say you model or you reject your parents. And so I was definitely modeling my dad from early on. Um, my mom says that when I was really young, I would say things to her like, you know, I'm going to go out there in the world and work. I'm not staying home. She said that I would say that when I was like five. Wow. Um, wow. I don't remember saying that, but I, 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 you know, so I was modeling my dad. And I think that when my mm. dad passed, I just um, took it upon myself to just try to do more and try to, um, you know, be that uh, leader for my mom. Um, as I think it, I think it, it intensified that. And wow. I think if my dad had did not pass, it, you know, I'd have more of a guide in him. Um, but I kind of had to take things into my own hands because my mom was not that type of personality. Wow. That's so interesting that, you know, you really kind of took on the role of um, seeing how he took care of your mom. And you thought, now now I'm going to have to step up and support her. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That's kind of how I viewed it. And I, high school was very different for me than it was for my older siblings because I felt a lot of responsibility to get those good grades and to go to university and to make sure I could stand on my own two feet. Yeah, that that's terrific. Listen, we're going to take a, a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about that, your high school years and, and what you were doing and involved in. Uh, stay with us. You're listening to Women to Watch. And coming up next is Carol Wyman for our Legal Watch. Now, the Women to Watch. Hi, this is Carol Weinman with Legal Watch. In the news this week, an Iowa judge ordered that schools must change how they determine if students qualify for special education services. A mom there trusted teachers when they told her that her daughter was progressing along with her peers. But then, after hearing the same story another year and facing major meltdowns because her daughter wasn't able to perform, she knew there had to be a better way. Like many schools, Iowa tends to exclude some of the, quote, brighter students with learning disabilities from special education by setting the bar too low. Schools need to intervene with struggling students earlier before they are drowning. I faced the same issue with my son who has autism. Year after year, I was proactive in anticipating where he may struggle and requesting accommodations from the school. I wanted to prevent a train wreck that I could predict. The answer I received every time was, we have to wait until it happens. We can't do anything till then. Really? It made no sense to me. 
So I made every effort myself to provide what my son needed to succeed and to get the school to cooperate with me. Unlike the mom in Iowa, I refused to take the word of the school that my son was progressing well. But I know that all moms wouldn't know to do that. After all, I had the advantage of being an attorney. Many moms of the children I represent don't know what they can ask for. If you have a child with special needs, he or she is legally entitled to the best education the school can offer. For more information, contact me at autismlegal.com. Attorney and leading autism expert Carol Weinman offers one-of-a-kind solutions to your legal and autism needs. Recognized nationwide as the one and only autism legal expert, Weinman delivers exceptional results. Weinman is a master at putting together pieces to create a remarkable outcome. Contact Weinman at 215-591-3614 or at autismlegal.com. That's autismlegal.com. Carol Weinman, the leading nationwide expert autism attorney. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. listening to Women to Watch, and I'm joined this evening by Renee Lalande, which is a beautiful name, by the way. Um, Renee is the CEO and founder of iTalent Digital, a technology company that she founded on her own, uh, bootstrapped it, uh, in, started in 2005. And just before the break, we were, we were talking about your upbringing in those, those formidable years that I think really, you know, kind of set the path for uh, where we go and, and why we do the things we do. I think that was so interesting about, you know, at that age to lose your dad. And uh, instead of really kind of, you know, falling apart, I'll say you decided, you know, to take on a role um, that he had in the household. Tell me how yeah. that, yeah, t- tell me how that carried o- over into your high school years. Yeah, so I think in high school I was, um, I was just a little bit, guarded about, you know, I just wanted to get through school. I just wanted to get to university. I didn't probably have as much fun as some of my other um, classmates. Uh, sometimes they joke around with me because we, we, we were in a very, I was lucky to be in a very good school district and a very good tight, small community right outside of, out of Austin, um, which was Lake Travis, which is a lot bigger now, but it was really small back then. And um, still good friends with a lot of my classmates and they joke around because they were like, you were like so driven and so bossy in, in, in high school. <laughs> and they weren't quite uh, there yet. <laughs> yeah. and they, you know, so we all joke around about it. And yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I was kind of friends. I was one of those people that was friends with everybody. Mm-hmm. I was in the, in the uh, honors classes, the AP classes, but I also was friends with just about everyone because we all grew up together. Um, so it was a really good environment. I have to say, looking back, I was pretty blessed at where um, where my parents um, and they moved us out of Austin uh, 
proper into kind of the hill country area for that reason to kind of give us that small community. Mm. So you managed to kind of stay away from what I will say is the nonsense, you know? Um, yes. How yes. Did, yeah. What? How did you do that? What What enabled you to do that? I uh, was just really focused on my future and what I wanted to do. And um, it just all seemed like it would um, derail me. And I just, I, I kind of wanted to stay in control. I think mm-hmm. it was a control thing. Okay. I, I think, yeah. and I think that's something that we, you know, we need to teach girls, uh, or, or convey to them is like, you, you know, you're the master of your destiny. Mm. Um, yes, your, your dad passed away. That's, that's hard and that's rough, but you still have the power to bring your dreams to reality. And so I think, um, one of the things I love about what we did with starting Glam, which is the Girls Leadership Academy meetup, uh, we started that in 2016, and it's this free two-day two-day weekend camp for girls eight to 12. We teach them coding, but we also teach them about leadership, right? And we also teach them about business plans and then how to pitch. And we have all these amazing successful women come talk to them, and then we have a CEO pitch coach that is someone who usually uh, is you know, paid a lot of money to, to help CEOs learn how to pitch and, and talk about their business um, and teach these girls. Um, because I think that, uh, you know, and we bring in, when we bring in the girls for this, we, we have from all different socio background, uh, economical backgrounds, and uh, we try to get at least 40% from uh, neighborhoods in San Jose um, that are really under, um, you know, on the economical side could not afford to send their kids here. And we make sure that they get there. We work with programs um, like CASA to get foster girls in there. And um, I think this past year we had 20 foster girls in there working with CASA. So um, that's really important to me because I can talk to them one-on-one and say, you know, I, I had some tragedy happen in my life too, Yeah. but that's not my story. My story Mm -hmm. is, how I went after, and just teaching them to have a voice. And at the end, when they do their pitches and we do the Shark Tank like event at the end, and we give them a trophy for who wins, and it's just amazing uh, to see these girls transform and to find their voice. And uh, it's really inspiring to mm. me. I love kind that keeps you... me going for the rest of the year. <laughs> and yeah, we're looking at doing more of those events. That's awesome. We, yeah. I love that you're doing that. And are you going to expand this organization nationally? Yes, okay. Yes. So this, um, so we, I talent funded it the first two years. And then this year, we're really blessed because we had some of our um, customers actually jump in. Uh, Microsoft donated the venue and the food. VMware donated the computers. Um, Intel uh, donate all these, all these amazing organizations that we work with came together and uh, chipped in. And so based on that, we really want to put together a plan to have this event um, four times a year, look at having it in our London office, look at having it in India and in our India and Hyderabad office and really start to expand the program. And we, we have uh, officially got it set up as a, as a non-for-profit. Mm-hmm. And so um we're going to completely let it run on its own. Uh, and, um, you know, we're, we're infusing it with money and then, and then, and hoping that it can, it can grow and get bigger. Yeah, that's great. That's really great. Um, 
I want to, you know, talk about how you landed that first job with Apple. You know, there's there's a lot of kids in this in this country that want to work for Apple. Tell me about that. Um, how you how you got the job? Yeah. So um, I I had just graduated, and um, someone from Apple did call me and said, you know, we we heard that you got a Mambaso grant to study in Japan, and that you know how to code and and so it was really cool because one of the recruiters did call me and said that they were they wanted me to um, apply for a job. But then I started talking with people that were local at Apple, and they were saying, "Oh, everybody's a a temp here in Austin, and you have to be you have to kind of start out as a temp, and then after you work for 90 days." And so uh, when I finally got to the point where I could interview, um, I <laughs> I made it clear that I did not want to be a temporary worker, and I got... Um, <laughs> you were much too qualified hired. for that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I mean, looking back on it, I, I don't know if I would advise that um, because a lot of the people that are at, were at Apple Austin at that time successfully converted to employees and ha- went on to have amazing careers. And so um, looking back on it, I, I think I might have uh, made it a little bit harder on myself, but I got the job. Well, hold that, hold that thought. Um, Renee, we have to take another break, and I'm going to continue this story when we come back. You're listening to Women to Watch, and our Health Watch is coming up next with Dr. Ritchie. Now, the Women to Watch Health Watch. From Jefferson University Hospital, I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie. A volunteer and his golden retriever, Buddy, visit patients at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center in New York. Buddy's playful at home, but at the hospital, he's all therapy dog, full of purpose. Buddy saw an 88-year-old woman. His eyes said, hi, I'm here. She started petting Buddy, speaking her native language. Her daughter said, my mom had a stroke and hasn't talked for days. Now she's speaking perfectly. There's growing agreement that animal-assisted therapy may improve the mental and physical well-being of patients. A friendly animal can relieve depression in the elderly or prevent heart disease by lowering blood pressure. 1987, over 400 veterinarians, behavioral scientists, medical doctors gathered at the National Institute of Health to study the healing power of pets for mental illness, post-traumatic stress, anxiety, autism, even chronic pain, and to help prisoners. Pets increase social interaction and emotional comfort. They distract us from pain and distress. They facilitate movement and decrease inertia. These programs are now routine in many medical centers, even intensive care units. Dogs, cats, bunnies, horses, gerbils. The special bond between animals and children can help pediatric patients, especially with a long hospital stay. Concerns, allergies, animal bites, fear, animal spreading infection. But one pediatrician states, careful planning, the pets vaccinated and bathed, the benefits far outweigh the risks. A child has a greater risk of infection from sibling visits, like chickenpox, flu viruses, than with pets. Personally, I don't need science to convince me. I'm a beagle mom. At the end of the day, I leave the world of grumpy growling. I come home to happy howling. Nothing says love like three happy tails wagging in unison because mom's home. So divas, go out and find some puppy love. And for whatever ails you, Dr. Richie says, take two pets and call me in the morning. Do you have a financial advisor who you trust that looks at you as more than just a number? At the Foley Hillsley Group, that person is Kristen Hillsley. Kristen's team has a different approach to managing your wealth called the Panorama Process. 
This unique process helps you obtain your financial goals easily because it's more than just investments, it's about you. To learn more, visit their website at fhbaird.com or call 610-238-6636. The Foley-Hilsey Group is affiliated with Robert W. Baird & Company, Incorporated Member SIPC. Log on to fhbaird.com to learn more. That's fhbaird.com. So if you need a financial advisor you can trust, call Kristen Hillsley at 610-238-6636. That's 610-238-6636. Introducing Pathways Consulting Group, a company that will align your IT needs with your business goals. Pathways is a full-service ServiceNow partner. What does that mean? It's simple. Pathways will collaborate and design, develop, and deploy solutions for your company today that will define tomorrow. Pathways will provide world-class enterprise service management solutions. Pathways Consulting Group. They listen. They care. They execute. Go to PathwaysCG.com. That's PathwaysCG.com. This is Women to Watch with Sue Rocco. Talk Radio 1210 WP. Glad to have you with us this evening. I'm joined tonight by Renee Lalande, the CEO and founder of iTalent Digital. And just before the break, we were talking about how she landed that job at Apple. And uh, you mentioned that they wanted to give you a, a, a more like an internship, I guess, position. And you already knew how to code. And by the way, you speak Japanese. Um, yes. Which I wanted to mention to our audience. So um, you were talking about the fact that you think kind of asking for what you want may not have been the right move? Well, uh, after I got to Apple and I saw how many brilliant people came in as uh, contractors and converted and went on to have amazing careers, I probably think I, um, yeah, I think I think if you get an opportunity, just take it. Uh, that would be my advice. Um, if I would do it differently, I probably would have done that. But, um, uh, yeah, no, I put my foot down. I said, look, I... I was working at a bank and doing a bunch of stuff for them and some other, I also had my own uh, like consulting and I was helping, um, I was helping a, a nursing home with their accounting system software. And I was, and so I just kind of put my foot down and said, I think if you want me, then let's just do this as a full-time job. And um, my manager, the manager that hired me and I have stayed in touch all these years and she still laughs about that story. Um <laughs> And she did it. She pulled it off and she, she hired me and they, um, it, it ended up being like one of the best um, jobs I ever had. And I think the thing that I would give advice to the young people listening to this about coming into a new uh, job anywhere is always take the hard projects and always take extra projects. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I did. And I was just known for taking on extra stuff and, it really helped me accelerate my learning and my knowledge about enterprise systems and a bunch of other things that ended up being very critical to me being able to start iTalent Digital. And um, I just was always known for taking on extra and taking on the big hairy projects that nobody else wanted mm. to, to deal with. Yeah. And so especially when you're young and you've got the energy, it's a really good time to learn really quickly. It sounds to me like you're, you know, really that innate confidence just continues to to move you forward. I would imagine a lot of people would get land a job with a company like Apple and stay there. And here you decided, you know, not to do that. So I want to, you know, I really want the audience 
to understand that, you know, you bootstrapped this yourself and the company is doing exceptionally well today. My first question around that is tell me about the moment that you understood from a financial point that iTalent was was going to be okay, because those first couple of years are scary and, and tough. Yeah, the first couple of years are scary and tough. Um, we were I, the first six months was really um, scary, but um, at the same time, I just uh, felt like I had enough industry knowledge that I, I could fall back on uh, getting landing another really good job. Or and so I kind of kept that as my like, you know, don't don't you know keep that fear at bay mm-hmm. because there's a lot of doors you can go through another door. You know, this is this is the door you want to you want to um, pursue, and um, yeah. So it was uh, it was the first six months I think were the hardest, and then by the first six months we had two enterprise customers. Uh, we had Cisco, and we had well the first customer we had was Verifine, and then we then we signed Cisco. But um, who you worked it was, with, um, by the way, right? You worked for a couple of years at Cisco. Yes, okay. I did, mm-hmm. and a lot of people knew me as that person that did those impossible projects. Okay. Um, and so my reputation helped mm. uh, there. And mm-hmm. um, and we started out really small. I mean, we were small to begin with. And so we, we, we went for the big customers, but we did small projects to begin with. And then we, and then we uh, um, were able to branch out and actually do a big Oracle implementation at VeriSign eventually and take that on, um, which is right up my alley because I'll, all my experience at, at whether it be Apple, Cisco, or NetApp was doing huge enterprise system deployments and huge projects. Mm. So um, we were able to take it from getting a foothold in there to then to take on more and more responsibility and to show them that we could do the quality and the work. And um, we never started, we never, we started right at the enterprise level because that's what I knew. And that's what I knew there was a pain point around having consulting firms that actually provided the utmost quality at a fair market value and really partnered with the customer. Um, so I, I felt like there was, when I was out there driving these huge system deployments, I felt like there was, I needed that partner. And it was really hard to find uh, that type, that level of uh, commitment from a, from a consulting partner. Renee, for for our listeners who may not be, you know, very knowledgeable in your industry and technology in general, can you say in simple terms what iTalent does? Yes. So iTalent is a global uh, consulting and software development firm. So we do anywhere from big, huge managed services um, uh, around change management or software delivery we have technical partnerships with a bunch of companies like lithium and we sometimes they outsource all of their like a big enterprise customer might outsource all of their development to us we have a big development center in india as well as in krakow poland Um, in addition to that we also develop our own ip Um, we've developed cloud connectors and we're in the process of developing a SaaS product and a bunch of other stuff um, as we um, are kind of shifting from being just a consultant and software delivery uh, DevOps for customers to also being a uh, an IP company. And who um, is your average client? Who Who is coming to you for your expertise? 
So like I said, we started with enterprise and all of our customers are fortune 500. Okay. Okay. Yeah. We actually don't haven't, we, we started there because that's where my experience and expertise was. Mm -hmm. And we've just never looked back and we just uh, work really well within those environments because we hire all, all of the people we hire are people that have been doing huge enterprise deployments at these level of customers for years. And we hire the best and brightest and we put them into the customer account um, at what we feel is fair market with the type of partnering that we would want to see if we were in those roles. So um, we hire a lot of people that have actually been in those roles with the customer, have been uh, doing huge deployments, and we bring them to the table so they feel um, really connected to the customer experience. Okay. Um, tell me from a philosophical standpoint, I read that there's a quote that, that you really not only live by, but keep very uh, front and center in your life. Uh, it's a quote by Gandhi who said, to be truthful, gentle, and fearless. Can you tell us what those three words mean to you? I love that quote because, and I love those words because, um, you can be fearless and gentle at the same time. So um, when you're fearless, you, you have that energy that propels you and other people forward. And um, you, you don't have to do that in a way where you're, you're rolling over people or you're steamrolling. And so one of the things that's really important and we haven't talked about yet with iTalent Digital is our culture is really about uh, – nurturing and friendships and no politics and um, really, um, you know, taking care of each other as a family. Mm. Um, so we really try to drive that home. And then on our customer side, we're the same way with our customers. So we have customers that, you know, we tell them, hey, this is what we think the project's going to take. And they're like, well, I have this budget. And so I really can't sign off on all of that. And then when it comes, when the rubber meets the road, if we have to put extra resources on our own to help them get to where they need to be, we've been known to do that. Um, and other people will say, oh, that's just bad business. But what happens is you, you form a customer for life mm-hmm. and they eventually figure out how to get that change order and get, make sure that everybody gets paid and everybody's whole. But you're, you're always looking out for their, um, you know, their project, their, their reputation and really caring about the outcomes. And so we do run, iTalent is definitely, so that's one of the biggest motivators for me to start iTalent was I felt like we could, I could start a company that kind of operates differently. And as a woman in Silicon Valley and high in tech, you know, you feel like sometimes you're an outsider. And so I just wanted to be an insider and just, develop my own company. Well, I love that because you're leading, you're leading the way in doing it differently, I would say. Yes. And uh, yes. kudos for keeping politics out of it. Yes. <laughs> That's not easy today. It's not easy. It's, it's not, not easy. easy. We really try hard. Yeah. We're going to take another break. When we come back, I want to talk about, you know, the culture in Silicon Valley for women in technology, how it's changed, and if you think it's getting better. Sounds you're great. listening to Women to Watch. Coming up next is our Leadership Watch with Holly Dowling. Leadership Watch. Hi, Holly Dowling here for your weekly inspiration for the Leadership Watch. And today it's about the soul of leadership. And I'm really passionate about this. 
And here's where this comes from, working with leaders around the world as a global leadership influencer. I have found that what people are needing the most and what they need from you is to focus on them as human beings and stop treating your people as knowledge banks. So let me reverse that. Stop treating people as knowledge banks and look at them as human beings. That is the soul of leadership. And having interviewed thousands, and I mean thousands of people around the world, I can also tell you that people ask all the, t- all the time, what's the definition of engagement? I want to engage my teams. I want to drive engagement. And I always say, after all the work around the world, you want to know what they need from you? It's three things. The definition of engagement today at the soul of leadership, know me, care about me, and pay attention to me. And if you can gather that as the soul of leadership, treat people as human beings and not knowledge banks and know what they need from you the most, know me, care about me, and pay attention to me. And those three things, my friends, can make the world of difference the minute you can make that shift and put on a new pair of glasses. And it's as simple as starting to have conversations and listen to people. Because when you truly ask and you're willing to listen, being listened to feels as close to being loved. And that is the soul of leadership. Pay attention to me, care about me, and know me. And that is your inspiration today for your Leadership Watch. Please reach out to me. I'd love to hear from you at hollydowling.com. is Holly Dowling. Holly is a dynamic keynote speaker and inspirational thought leader. You see what we have the ability to do and the power we have. You hold the power for good. Each and every one of us can do something. Holly has inspired millions around the world, including over 500,000 executives, and her show is listened to in 87 countries. Now we're going to spend 25 minutes on your areas of opportunity. Listen to our internationally acclaimed podcast, A Celebration of You, Holly Dowling, empowering those who can change the world. HollyDowling.com. You're listening to Women to Watch with Sue Rocco on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I'm talking with Renee Lalande this evening, CEO and founder of iTalent Digital. My name is Sue Rocco, and you're listening to Women to Watch. And um, just before the break, we were mentioning Silicon Valley and, and culture a little bit. I, I love the fact that you really set the tone for a different type of culture in your company. And I'm wondering, as an outsider, um, what you know, what you have seen change for the better out there in Silicon Valley for women in technology? Well, I think that um, in the last three years, it's been a big shift. I think um, some of the studies that have come out, uh, the DDI study in 2014 that that came out about how the most successful companies have more women in leadership positions, and it and it correlates with the companies that aren't doing the, you know, the the top companies in the world that aren't doing as uh, performing have less women in leadership. And I think people are uh, are finally taking hold of that and. A lot of CEOs are are listening and trying to drive um, drive that forward with diversity and you know programs around making sure that they are inclusive with, with women and minorities and that just that diverse culture is starting to become a hot button, which is great, which is really good. Right. I mean, it's, I think it's 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 a it's definitely going to help uh, push things forward. But um, I do feel like 
um, as someone who started working in the Silicon Valley, um, you know, early on in the late 90s, um, there was definitely a, a culture that's more geared towards, um, you know, competition and um, maybe not as conducive to a woman's mindset. Mm, or nature, her so, nature. And our nature, yeah. yeah. And yep. so for me, you know, I thought it was a very scary thing to go do. I was very secure at NetApp. I had a great job. I had a great company. I was early NetApp, and it was fun to see the growth um, there. And um, it was uh, it was a big decision, but I felt like in order to change the landscape, we can't just stay in uh male dominated uh, companies and expect the change. Mm. We have to go out and forge our own way and start to change the, the landscape ourselves. And that's one of the things we, we definitely bring out in glam when we're talking to the girls, like go out there and start your own business and have run it the way you feel it should be run. And when I would tell, you know, what I was going to do when I would give my plans to my friends and, I have a lot of uh, guy friends, male friends that are just really supportive, but a lot of them, <laughs> male and female, were like, I, I think you're, it sounds like a Pollyanna, uh, you know, are you sure? And I just felt like, yeah, I've, you know, I've got to go try this. Oh, I I've love that. I love that because I, I was, I've often been called a Pollyanna myself in life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and, and eventually you just go, you know what? I don't care. That's who I am. <laughs> Yes, and I'm happy to say that a lot of those people that I had those conversations with, who I respect, are actually working for iTalent and a part of uh, the the success story and have helped us grow. Uh, They've eventually came on board. And it's really interesting because the men that work at iTalent love the environment too. Mm, So, but I also try to make sure that they have their, you know, that we're just all inclusive, we're all, you know, no politics. You know, it's not about who has what budget and who has what people were all in it together Mm -hmm. and they seem to really uh, thrive in that environment but I also want to make sure that they they also feel really good but I I think at the same time it's just yeah I just think more women need to to say okay I'm going to just go start my own business and see if I can make this work and and create that culture that um that's meaningful to me and I think more women are doing it and I and that's that's exciting, but oh, the sure. numbers in Silicon Valley are still pretty low. Yeah, well, that might just yeah, role. that's not surprising, I guess, for that particular area. But you're right. You know, we we are seeing it, and and I'm talking to women, you know, every day who are doing it. And I love your philosophy and what you're teaching uh, the young girls is really that that quote: "Be the change." You know, don't yeah. worry about what's happened before and any barriers and what men might think. Just go be the change. Create. Yeah right? What you want. And it can be done. It absolutely can be done. Yeah. So tell me what, you know, it hasn't, it hasn't been easy. And, you know, tell me what you say to yourself or what you do in those moments of self-doubt or, or even anxiety, you know, around uh, the responsibility of such a large company. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I think for me, the thing that I draw on is um, the reality of, of going back uh, to an environment where I felt like uh, it, it was a great environment. There's a lot of men and women that uh, were encouraging. One thing I, I have uh, 
felt in the past is that a lot of women, we don't encourage each other. And so one of the things I've been doing, which helps me, is I set up glam. So whenever I start to get fear-based, like I, I give. <laughs> That's You, you I go give over and sit time. with your girls at glam, yes, right? I, yeah. I, I, I come up with another charity that we're going to get. Right. You know, glam was a big outlet for me. Yeah. Um, because in 2016, we were growing like crazy, and I, I realized I needed to set up in a board of advisors, which I didn't have before. Mm. And so, but whenever I feel that fear, I just, I just, uh, figure out a way to give back. And then it, it makes me feel like I'm doing the right thing. Mm, that's great advice. Great advice. Uh, Renee, listen, you're such a fine example and an inspiration uh, to women and young girls. And I so appreciate your time sharing your story with us tonight. I wish we had more time because I only got through half my questions. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much. Sue. Thank you so much for having me. I love your program. Oh, thank you. Stay in touch. Thank you. Bye-bye. That's it for Renee's part of the program. And and stay with us for our Tech Watch contributor, Mary Manzo. Now, the women to watch. Tech Watch. Hi, I'm Mary Manzo, partner and CEO of Pathways Consulting Group. The future of education and learning is ever-evolving through the use of technology. What speculations can we make and prepare for? Educators are rethinking the way students learn. Their focus is on redesigning education and utilizing technology to do it. The model of educating will become more virtual and cloud-based. Much of what I will talk about today is already taking place. That's how quickly technology is changing the world. Teachers that struggle with budgets for field trips won't have that worry anymore. Through virtual reality, field trips will come to the classroom. Students will be able to tour museums of their choice through a pair of virtual reality glasses. Add gaming technology, and students will be able to interact with historians. They can be present for some of the most critical times in history. Teachers will be able to use 3D printing to create replicas of things only seen in the pages of books, while students can leverage this same technology to construct their projects. Textbooks in the classroom are already becoming a thing of the past. Laptop schools upload textbooks to the digital library, eliminating the need to carry them around, lose them, or forget them at home. The dog ate my homework? That will become a phase of the past and never be used again. Why? Because cloud storage is becoming widely accepted in both the workplace and now the classroom. Homework assignments are being submitted electronically, and I believe will become the norm as more schools continue to adopt laptop learning. Is it possible that online learning for major universities will become the trend driving the cost of education down for parents? It already is. According to U.S. News, Ohio State, Embry-Riddle, Temple University, and Penn State rank as some of the best online accredited colleges in the U.S. Many students who cannot afford to attend in person will attend virtually. These changes provoke a wide variety of controversies, but is the direction we are now headed in. What's your opinion? I'd like to know. You can email me at mary at pathwayscg.com. That's it, everyone, for another week of Women to Watch. Be sure to visit our website at womentowatch.net to see our lineup and sign up for our newsletter. You can find us as well on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Women to Watch. And a big shout out and thank you to our sponsors and contributors for helping us to tell the real story behind her title. Here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Have a great week, everyone. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.